Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Michael Jones. How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to sort of going through everything. I thought it was a bit more of an exciting weekend this time around um, in Serie A. So, yeah, lots to talk about, isn't there? Definitely. Good to have you on, as always. And Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. Yeah, I think Michael's right. A lot of interesting things happened this weekend. So, yeah, let's get into it. We're going we're gonna to kick straight off with Inter and... Um, a disappointing loss for them, and, it, and it's been a tough week for them. Actually, they they lost two nil at home to Sassuolo, who uh, you know have given them tricky games in the last few years as well, and they turned out to be their bogey side again. That's now one win in their last five league games for Inter, um, and of course they lost in the Champions League against Liverpool. Um, so, what do you think is going wrong for them, Michael? These this past sort of month or so. I think maybe part of it was that they had such that great period of success over Christmas that I certainly think there's a mental one of the main things for the sort of elongated period of the or drought that's been going on is that they did maybe just become a bit too composed and maybe a bit of arrogance to seat and maybe that's come from the title winning side from last season. And you know, we discussed the derby a couple of weeks ago against Napoli, and they've just not really and Sassuolo, perfect example today, they've just not, uh, at the weekend, sorry, they've just not really been taking games by the scruff of the neck like they were. And they've obviously that ruthlessness has just completely gone. We saw that um, against Liverpool, they created some good chances. I thought generally they actually played quite well against Liverpool. And then in the Sassuolo game, I mean, one of the main factors, they they started on the back foot with a really poor start against Sassuolo. With Marcelo Brozovic out, um, that was a big blow. Huge blow because, especially for the first goal, we saw them get dispossessed in the middle of the park for Giacomo Raspadori to score. But they, I think they outdid Sassuolo by twofold in terms of the expected goals. You know, Lautaro Martinez had an absolute sitter. Dzeko had a header point blank saved. It's not that they've stopped creating chances. I think Perisic looks as dangerous as ever, but they are lacking that ruthlessness. And I think, you know, defensively as well, they're letting, they, I think teams have a lot more belief playing them at the moment as well. And I think there's a big culmination of factors, which is just not working for them and they've got to turn it around. But when you watch them play, generally for large periods of each game, they don't look like a team that's going through this period of form. They actually, for long periods, they look a very good team still. It's just getting things right at both ends of the pitch. You mentioned that Liverpool game and, and it ended in a 2-0 defeat, but for large periods, they at least held their own in that match and, and had a really strong period the first sort of 20 minutes of the second half. But but they did end up losing Francesco. Do, do you think there was any sort of hangover from that defeat, possibly? Maybe, maybe a bit of confidence knocked? Um, I don't really think it's, um, it's an issue of their confidence being knocked. I think Michael is probably right that this weekend against Sassuolo, there was possibly, uh, you know, a little bit of underestimating how good a side Sassuolo was or, or more the fact that they've played, you know, the, the, this drop in, in results really has coincided with them playing against some of the best teams in Italy. So they played Atalanta and Milan and Napoli over this period. And then they played against Liverpool and Juve in the Coppa Italia, uh, sorry, in the, in the Supercoppa and they played Roma. So they've had this bunch of really quite difficult games and I think in some in, in most of those games their performances have been good they've been playing okay you know I think against Napoli they were fine 
against Milan, they actually played really well for those first 75 minutes and then and then they ended up losing, but probably should have won that game. And even against Liverpool, you know, I agree with you, Sam. I, you know, I don't think they dominated that match, but I do feel they held their own possibly a, a little bit unlucky to lose, you know, maybe deserved a bit more. But but all of those performances, I think, in those games, even though they have dropped some points, have been good. I feel like this is the first time that that their performance has been a bit concerning. Um, you know, I feel like Sassuolo were the better side, especially in the first half. And possibly that is a little bit because maybe there was a drop in kind of concentration after having played all of those big sides. It feels like they'd got to the top of the hill and maybe this is where they, you know, they have a run of games that they should be winning and possibly a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if it was a, a confidence thing. It's more kind of a maybe a physical slash mental fatigue thing. And also that drop of intensity that can come from playing a side who possibly you should be beating. I'd also add, you know, the fact that, um, as Michael said, they were missing Brozovic and Bastoni because of suspension. If I had been in Zaghi, even though they have played a lot recently, I wouldn't have changed the team as much. You know, Dumfries would have started um, for me. I, I would have kept Zeko. Even, even though they've played a lot recently, I would have played most of the starting lineup because you're already missing those two guys and then possibly switch it around a bit more when they get back. But yeah, I, I think it's the first time that an Inter performance has, has concerned me from their point of view for a long time because I feel like they were always going to drop a few points in this run of games um, it, uh, because because of the difficulty of the opposition. Against Sassuolo, you would expect them to do better. But, but I also think that Sassuolo deserved lots and lots of credit. Um, I think... I was surprised by their lineup, how attacking it was. You know, uh, Dionisi played Traore, Scamacca, Berardi, and um, Raspadori. So basically, four attackers going to San Siro. He played two ball playing midfielders, and they were really excellent. I, I think Dionisi is is doing a good job. Um, he's he's a he's an exciting coach, and uh, I was just you know one stat that caught my eye was this is the first time that a side has won away at Inter Milan and Juve in the same season since Fiorentina did it in 1955. So so it's close to 70 years the first time a side has done that. So yeah, they deserve a lot of credit as well. I would just add that um, in terms of them turning it around, that they do have Salernitana and Genoa next before. I think they've got a really tricky run of games after that. And like we said, there's still a, quite a bit of confidence with this Inter side. I do expect them to turn it around quite quickly now. Um, and this may just be the wake-up call of a performance, even though it was concerning at the same time. From a Sassuolo perspective, as, as you mentioned there, Francesco, that they've had some really good away wins this season. But they've also had some really quite shocking results. And, and that's why they're sort of mid-table. Can you put your finger on why consistency has been an issue for them? Are they maybe better suited to playing the, the bigger sides, as can sometimes be the case? I think it's possibly, you know, they are a very offensive side generally. And I guess if you're playing against teams lower down the league, they can try and just shut up shop um, and it becomes a little bit more difficult to break them down. So maybe against those bigger sides, they get those spaces where they can really play. But I also just think it is a new manager. They've lost a couple of key players. You know, they lost Locatelli, for example, at the beginning of the season. It does take a little bit of time. I mean, 
it would be great to see where the Sassuolo side could get to with this coach um, going forwards. All I, I think they just do need to add some consistency. You're right. Um, the chances are some of those players might leave in the summer. So I don't know how long we'll see this group of, of players and coach together. But I, I, I've been quite impressed with Dionisi with what he does. I think he plays some really nice football. And um, I think Sassuolo are in good hands. And I, I really hope that uh, they are able to pick up, you know, to, to get some consistency for the rest of the season and, and certainly going on into, into the future. I now want to move on to Milan, who they actually played Saturday night, so the day before Inter, and they had the chance to extend their lead at the top of the table, but they didn't really take it as they drew with Salernitana, uh, bottom of the table Salernitana, that is. They've had a couple of these results this season, obviously thinking about their home defeat to Spezia as well, Michael. Is it games like this that are going to ultimately cost them the title, do you think? Because... You know, on, on paper, this was a bread and butter three points for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I would say Salernitana are a slightly improved side from what we saw earlier in the season. And they're no longer like the whipping boys of the league, you might say. But nevertheless, I think it's a game, obviously, Milan should have uh, been expecting to win. And if you look at the manner of the goals in which they conceded, they really did shoot themselves in the foot as well. And I think there was kind of parallels to Spezia in that game also. Obviously, that was a very controversial ending from what I remember last month. But in terms of your question whether it's going to cost them the title, I mean, it's hard to argue otherwise. I, I think that maybe the thing that's going for them this weekend is I don't think too many teams have really put down their claim to be looking like they're going to be running away with it at the moment. We've just talked about Inter's problems. I still think Napoli are improving, but got a long, long way to go. So... It's, it's just a wide open title race at the moment. And I think AC Milan, but AC Milan have yeah, really big missed opportunity here. Um, especially, I, I think there's one positive to take away from it was seeing Ante Rebic back on the score sheet. He's obviously had a really tricky season with injuries, very disrupted. And um, it was a good finish from him, which did eventually get them the point. But yeah, very disappointing result from their perspective. We're recording this on... Uh, Monday evening, so Napoli are actually just in action with Cagliari. Um, but if they win that game, they would go level on points with Milan at the top of the table. They'd go two points ahead of Inter, although Inter would have a game in hand. So, Francesca, how do you sort of see the title race looking? We're, we're sort of 12, 13 games to go. You, you've you've consistently said you, you favour Inter, but are maybe Napoli building a bit of momentum and you know, pushing it towards themselves, perhaps? Is it, is it maybe becoming a 50-50 race? I I feel like Napoli are in a, in a very good place, you know, after they had a, an amazing start to the season, they had that difficult period. And now all of a sudden it feels like the enthusiasm back, they have their best players back. Um, I think only one side in the top half of Serie A won this weekend. So if Napoli win, it's, it feels like a big deal. It feels like a big swing towards them um and I, I think they have always been my second favorites from the start of the season and i probably would still have them as second favorites i know that inter are going through a bad run at the moment but on paper at least their their um, fixtures are going to be a bit easier and i still feel like overall they are a slightly better side than napoli but it is much closer than it was kind of even three or four weeks ago when it felt like 
Inter were the clear, clear favourites. So, yeah, as I've been saying all along, I, I feel like this is Napoli's best chance of the Scudetto since Maradona was around. And I still feel that way, and, and I feel even more that way now, but I still wouldn't have them as favourites. Of course, it's looking like a three-horse title race. Um, but if there was one side who could perhaps break into it to make it a four-horse title race, that would be Juventus. But they didn't make the most of an opportunity this weekend. They drew the Turin derby with Torino, one all on Friday night. Not a great night for them, Michael, as Dybala went off injured, although Allegri didn't seem too concerned by that. Um, just on Dybala, his contract's obviously up in the summer as well. Is he maybe running out of opportunities to impress? And, and do you think maybe Juve would be right to let him go at the end of the season? For me, it seems like the inevitable outcome now. I mean, I, I didn't think for the past month or so, since the whole contract saga broke out a few months ago, that Dybala was going to renew. But I thought if there was one circumstance where Juventus do put in a late title run, I thought Dybala would have to be key and central to that. And we don't quite know the full extent of this injury yet, but it looks like, you know, either way, you can't really be depending on him for the rest of the season now. And I, I think it's such a hammer blow for Juventus because when we looked back, I remember how excited I was um, with the first game, the victory over Hellas Verona. And I really felt when I was watching the team with the baller at the heart of it, that there could be a real momentum uh, turning momentum but then we've seen the draw with Atalanta where I thought they were probably Atalanta were probably the better side and then this result of the weekend where I thought Torino were probably the better side or you know had better moments in the final third and Juventus despite not looking you know that good, good they still weren't able to hold on to that lead and I think with that culminating with Dybala's you know injury as well, I think it's going to be a real hammer blow to them and it's another hurdle they're going to have to overcome and may just refocus that priority for the top four. But kind of going back to your question, I I, I don't, I think this is, you know, we're very close to seeing the end of the road with Dybala and uh, Juventus now. Of course, Juve's main attacker now is Vlahovic, who um, who arrived um, and he scored on his debut, as you, as you mentioned just then, Michael, in, in that Hellas Verona game, the first game of the month. But he hasn't now scored in over 300 minutes since then, Francesco. Any concerns for you that maybe they're struggling to play to his strengths, Juve? Um, or do you think, you know, it, it's still quite a small sample size and and they're still just, you know, getting used to how they need to play with Vlahovic leading the line? Yeah, I, I think that, Eventually, Blauwich is, is going to come good and I'd expect him to score many goals for Juve. I think probably after his transfer and that initial kind of burst of enthusiasm that there was around that, it, uh, it possibly papered over some of the cracks in terms of Juve's attacking efficacy. Um, they've struggled going forwards all season um, and it's probably not really been a problem, uh, you know, the fact that they they haven't had good attackers. Um, it's just the way the team plays. I think they're, they're the 10th best attack in Serie A, which is, is pretty bad for a team that's, you know, really with ambitions of winning the league at the start of the season and certainly qualifying for the Champions League. So I think there probably was work to do before Vlaovic, um, you know, arrived and that work still needs to be done by Allegri, getting, getting them to be more effective going forwards. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I'd expect him to, to come good in the end. 
arguably the standout player in the match was Bremer um, at the heart of um, Torino's defence. Um, it seems perhaps he could move on from Torino this summer, Michael. What what do you make of him? And if he does move on, what sort of club could he play for? Because it seems he's taken, you know, giant strides forward this season. Is he good enough to, you know, maybe play for a Champions League club, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we saw the transfer from of Lianco last summer and his move to Southampton. And I think Bremer's a far bigger talent than Lianco is with all due respect to him. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. He's had a really standout season. I think his, you know, whilst Dusan Blahovic has been criticised and he did come deep for a lot, I think a lot of it, he was forced into those positions by how well Bremer did against him. In terms of where I think he could go, I think, you know, the future of sort of Stefan de Vrij at Inter Milan could be up for debate and maybe a bit more competition in that area. Uh, I, I think he could be a great fit for Simone Inzaghi. I think he's a centre-back that Inzaghi would really like to play with. And I do think he's got a lot of the attributes of, uh, you know, the modern-day centre-back, particularly in Serie A. I would not be expecting him to... I think Juventus are still well enough equipped in that position, but maybe there's other clubs in and around that area, you know, even Atalanta or something like that. I think he's definitely got the capabilities to be an improvement for them and at least be competitive and eventually maybe break into Inter Milan's side as well. I think he's got huge ce- uh, huge ceiling and potential. But yeah, really exciting centre-back. He's really had a strong start to 2022 as well. The the other thing to say about uh, Bremer is that his, his contract runs out in 2023. So... I would be thinking that Torino, unless they know that he wants to extend, they will be looking to to sell him in the summer because otherwise they're going to end up not getting anything for him. And um, I'm in agreement with Michael. I think probably even I, I think he he or even Juve. I think all of the the big sides in Serie A should be looking to sign this player, and he'd be a great asset to all of them. You know, Milan have had their struggles at centre back this season. I think we really saw in midweek against Liverpool how. Inter, when you take away those those starting three, there is a bit of a drop off uh, for them. So they they could do even if De Vrij hangs around, I think they could do with him. Um, I've also heard talk that that Real Madrid are quite interested. So I just hope he stays in Serie A. I think he is a, a top defender. He's only twenty four as well. So yeah, as Michael said, I, I think he is a great defender. And if I was any of the top sides, I would be seriously considering uh, you know going in for him. Following that draw for Juve, it opened up an opportunity for Atalanta to close the gap to the top four, but they were beaten 1-0 by Fiorentina. Um, you know, they start, their chances are still there, um, Atalanta, in terms of getting a top four finish, Michael, but they are in poor form at the moment. Um, would you say their main issue is Zapata being injured and they just don't seem to have an out-and-out forward now? You know, we, we've seen Atalanta as the best attacking side in Serie A the last sort of two to three seasons, but it's not happening in that final third right now, is it? Yeah, it's not. I mean, I thought the Juventus game could have been a really big turning point where they able to hold on because I thought, you know, it feels so long ago since they beat Udinese, I think, in the first game of 2022, 6-2. Since then, they've really struggled for goals and that Malinowski goal against Juventus was, you know, one of the best goals I've seen in a long time. It was absolutely sensational. And you thought the manner of the goal, if they held on for the victory, it really could have been a turning point. But I think it was a huge setback when they conceded there. And they've been guilty of the, maybe this the whole season, but especially in the past few weeks, of becoming a lot more workmanlike as a team. 
And even with the introduction of Jeremy Boga, we've still seen them really struggle to create multiple chances. And against Fiorentina, it just seemed to be like even Fiorentina, this Fiorentina team with the departure of Lahovic recently, it seemed to be Fiorentina who was so much more happier to sort of take the game to Atalanta at times. And there was obviously, I guess, a bit of bad luck in the sense that that equaliser didn't stand and we saw Giampiero Gasparini get sent off, but his expression kind of told the whole story in the sense that it drew parallels to Jose Mourinho sending off, which I'm sure we'll discuss as well. But, um, you know, two managers that are really just not getting a song out of the uh, team at the moment. And I, I, I guess, you know, with, he's done such a stellar job that you do think he'll change. But I think like they've got Sampdoria this week and they've got Roma next, two teams that are in mixed form. But it is hard to see them turning around in the immediate future because I don't see all the answers on the pitch as such. It's just got to be a bit of a mentality change because I think they've really dropped levels in recent weeks. What, what do you think about the, the disliked goal, goal, Michael and Sam, actually, for that one? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I, I thought it was, it was, yeah, it was contentious. You could see why Gasparini was so livid with the decision. Um, but I, I just think on a bigger level, I think there was just so many parts missing from the game. And I think, you know, if you, you know, you can't be so reliant on one moment like that for them to just get an outcome in that game. And that's almost like they were against Juventus, even though they created so many chances. It was again, one big moment from Malinowski and, they need to be. There needs to be a lot more variation to their attacks, really. Yeah, it, it does seem that a lot of little moments are going against them at the moment. As um, you know, you said with with the with the disallowed goal the other day, with Juve equalising in the last minute, with Fiorentina beating them in the last minute of of the Coppa Italia, and that would have been, you know they'd have then gone into extra time against ten men. You'd have backed them to win that. Then all of a sudden they got Juve in the semi final of the cup, who they've had quite a good record against recently, but. It does seem to, you know, just be going against Atalanta right now. And, and they're certainly not the free-flowing side that we've seen the last few years at the moment. Um, I wanted to get your opinion, Francesco. Um, the, the match winner this week was Piontek. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to ask about, you know, rubbing it in about how well he's doing and everything. But I, I just wanted to get your opinion because... I know even at Milan, he started well, but there were even early concerns about how good his all-round game is. And is, is he just a goal scorer? Have you also been impressed by how well, you know, he's been involved in games so far at Fiorentina? Yeah, I I mean, he's, he, he since I said he was rubbish, he's basically been as good as the Brazilian Ronaldo. And uh <laughs> It, I mean, he has been really impressive. I, I really like the way he took his goal again, uh, again this weekend. And I think that Italiano deserves a lot of credit. I think, you know, possibly a reason that Vlaovic was scoring so many goals uh, in the early part of the season is because he was playing in a side which really, you know, plays some really good attacking football. And I think Italiano has been you know, has got this side playing brilliantly. And if you are a striker like Piontek, it must really be, it must really suit you to play in that, that kind of football. So um, I do, I, you know, I, I agree that Piontek deserves lots of credit and he has been good. I think last week I said one of the things that impressed me about him was how many chances he was getting. It's not just that he scored the odd goal. It looks like he is going to score goals because of how many chances he's getting. But yeah, lots of credit goes to, Italiano and this Fiorentina side who who are looking really, really good at the moment. 
yeah, it looks like they, they could push, um, you know, possibly for a top four spot, but they're well in the well in the running for Europa League, that's for sure. Um, another side who's who's in and amongst it is Roma, but they only managed a two-all draw this weekend, and they were actually 2 0 down at home to Verona before dragging it back. And it, it was their young players that got them back into the game, Michael. So was this an indicator that perhaps Mourinho needs to go away from the experienced players, which he's, you know, usually relied on at his clubs over the years and perhaps give youth more of a chance at Roma? I think there's a case for both yes and no. I think Roma do have one of the best academies in Italian football. And it was great to see that on show with Orpato and Eduardo Bove's goals. Although I must say, with Bove's goals, some of the weirdest goalkeeping I've seen this season for that goal to fly in at the near post. But it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there is... You've got to say, and especially in attacking areas, Roma do have such a depth of an array of talent in terms of Pellegrini. Obviously, um, Zaniolo was suspended, which, you know, we may not have even, the game could have been completely different with him featuring because in that Genoa game, I thought he was really good. Um, and then, you know, even in midfield and stuff, there's San Sergio Oliveira. There's a lot of attacking talent there. And you can see that Mourinho, he's going for a difficult spell at the moment. And, I guess there's a balance between giving young players a chance, which, you know, they are proving that they can be called a kind of, of course, we've seen the success of Felix Stefanijan this season as well. But he has also got to keep those senior players on side, something, of course, he's been guilty of not really doing in the past, in his past two spells in England before coming to Roma. So I don't know. I mean, my, my whole kind of vibe with this Roma team is that, and with Mourinho in modern day management, is that, he does really seem to struggle to get a bit of a, a response out of his teams if they're not going for something really big. And I just wonder if there's a maybe a motivational issue which is from, from Mourinho, which is maybe carrying across to the players. And that's maybe why the young players are just seizing it a bit more. But yeah, there's all sorts of issues at Roma. But I mean, it is one positive, I guess, isn't it? But yeah, <laughs> where to start and where to end with Roma, I don't really know at the moment. I, I guess, um, you know, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this, Francesco. Um, they're in a similar position to last season, although they're, they're a few points worse off under Fonseca. So do you think they're any better than they were under Fonseca or have they even regressed? How, how do you view things? Um, I feel like this side has more potential than, than Fonseca's side. I, you know, I don't know how much that has to do with Mourinho um, because there's probably players that, that might have arrived anyway, but I do think he probably was quite heavily involved with some of the transfers. And so I, I feel like they have put together quite a good team, really, on paper. Um, and and going forwards, I still think there is, you know, the, the, the Roma fans came out and backed Mourinho this, uh, you know, after this result, even though he has struggled recently, I feel like there is a lot of love for, for him in Rome and he seems to really like it there as well. So I, I, I almost want them to do well. On the other hand, I, especially, you know, we've just spoken about Fiorentina. If you compare what Italiano has been able to do in Florence to what Mourinho has done this season in Rome, it, it just doesn't look good for him. Um, I think that Roma's team on paper is, is as good as, as what Fiorentina have in terms of, you know, their absolute qualities and in terms of the money that's being spent there as well, they, they possibly should be doing 
well, they just probably should be doing a bit better. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I would say that they've regressed <clears throat> or that they would be in a better position if Fonseca had stuck around. Um, I, and I still feel like there is hope for Mourinho to, to achieve something in Rome. Um, but yeah, we will have to see what happens. Do you think the pressure's getting to him, Francesco? Obviously, we saw him sent off late on, you know, booting the ball into the crowd. How how, how did you assess that? Was did, I mean, I, I get you know, it was quite funny as a neutral, but how would you feel about that as as a Roma fan, perhaps? I I don't um, I don't I mean, Mourinho has always he's always done this kind of thing. Even when he's been winning, you know, he did the handcuff gesture when he was when he was dominating the league with with Inter. This what he did this week. Apparently, he did look like a, a phone call sign to the referee yeah. because he was suggesting. Because I think Pirato is. I don't know if he's the son of someone who was involved in, in Calciopoli or he's yeah. somehow related to, to someone who's involved in Calciopoli. And I think he said something like, "Did Juve send you?" Which in itself is, you know, it's a lot of fun <laughs> from a fan's point of view. And it, it's just the. I, I feel like it's the kind of thing that Mourinho would do, even if things were going well. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that these kinds of out are related to the preppy's feeling um but it is it is difficult to tell and I, I guess the fact that the fans have come out and backed him that is quite important i think if the fans had come out and started to say you know we're not happy with how things are going then then you know probably the club would be starting to think well have we done the right thing here but whilst he has the fans on side and it does feel like they really are on his side um i think he's probably okay I want to move on to Lazio now because with, with all these sides around them dropping points, you know, Juve, um, uh, Atalanta, Roma, all dropping points. It seemed like a big opportunity for them on Sunday night away at Udinese, but they themselves only got a one-all draw. Do you think this is that would have been a big disappointment for Sari, Michael, or... Is it actually not that bad a result, considering they've had some really shocking results off the back of a European game this season, and they were a bit better than that? You know, I'm thinking back to the Bologna and Verona results. This this was a bit of a steadier result for them, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only way, though. I think that is the most positive way of looking at it. I think Lazio. Generally, I feel I've turned a bit of a corner in 2022. Results have been on the up a bit. And I think this is a bit of a disappointment. And I mean, what, what's really concerned me about Lazio this season is when they played the likes of the teams against Udinese, okay, under Sarri, they've had a lot of ball possession. But they've not looked that dominant in the games. Like Udinese created a few chances. I don't think it. you were thinking... I, I didn't really get the feeling from like what I saw of the game that Lazio were playing a team... Lazio were a team that's in Europe and Udinese were sort of a lower mid-table team. In fact, I thought they were very much closer than that. And I guess maybe the result showed it as well. But I just I do think ultimately it's it's a really disappointing result. And I think for Lazio, it's almost I think Sari's focus just has to be building for the next season now. I think they need to, you know, what do what they can in terms of trying to qualify for Europe. But I think they just need to try and get performances more consistent, make sure they're more one-sided, make sure that they can have all this possession without being susceptible for it to be broken up so easily, which Udinese did really successfully in countering. And yeah, that there is sort of something to build towards. At the moment, I feel like it's a bit 
long term at Lazio, it feels a bit directionless as to where it's going. Um, whether they do want to become a Champions League for a, a Champions League team again, a top six team, or just a bit of a general improvement and just keep where they are. Like I, I don't know. It's a really frustrating team to watch at the moment, Lazio, and I think this was a really frustrating result. Yeah, I, I'm actually really quite disappointed with this result from Lazio's point of view. I think if they had won, they would have been two points off the Champions League places um and they are they have been on a pretty good run in the league uh, it does feel like things are coming together and they they were not great and also you know it makes me think even more because immobile missed this game i think he he was uh feeling unwell he had the flu or something and it he ended up playing felipe anderson in a front three with zahang and pedro it just makes me think even more what were they thinking when they let caicedo go to genoa at the beginning of the season you know, I, I just, I, you know, when Immobile is not there, you can see that this team is really going to struggle if that's what they're going to put out. And it is a shame because they are doing well and they are, they are really close to pushing for a Champions League place. And with everyone else dropping points this weekend, it would have been a huge result for Lazio to go and win in Udinese. Yeah, that Caicedo transfer looks more and more mystifying each week, really. Um, but he, you know, he's gone on to Inter now. So yeah, we'll, we'll see if he gets any game time there. Really, um, I now want to move on to the bottom, uh, you know, end of the table. And we had a really big game between Venezia and Genoa, um, and we didn't really get anywhere with it, did we? You know, it, it, if one side had won, it would have been a huge result for them. But it ended in a one-all draw. We had a hell of a lot of draws this weekend, actually. Um, is this? A good result for Venezia, Michael? One point closer to safety? Or do they really need to be winning these types of games to survive this season? I think it's a better point for Venezia than it is Genoa. I mean, partially because of the league positions. And it it does just keep Genoa a bit further away from Venezia. Um, But also, I think it's a better result in the sense that Venezia come... I think they come off the back of back-to-back defeats now. And I think it could have been very easy going into that game. I know Genoa didn't have the most convincing performance last time out against Salernitana either. But there was maybe a bit more for Genoa to build on coming into this game. And they kind of failed to do that. Meanwhile, Venezia were able to pick up what is still a solid away point in in Genoa. And I think overall, I'd probably say them. And I think overall with the way the transfer business has gone, I think Genoa is looking very scattered. I think they've almost looked at a rebuilding job midway through the season, that there's just a bit of a clearer identity and idea um, going on in Venice at the moment. And we, we saw with Genoa, obviously they had another managerial switch, you know, about a month ago with Shevchenko going. Have you seen any signs of improvement for them, Francesco, they've had a, you know a couple of draws since then, but you know there's still quite a gap between them and survival right now. I I actually, uh, in terms of their performances, I think there has been improvement. Um, they look, you know, a lot more attacking. I think they are creating chances. I, I saw that Echelban got his first goal this weekend. I think he is quite an exciting player, um, and he he's done pretty well since he's come into the team. So it's, it's good that he scored. And they did have chances. I mean, I think it was a pretty even game, but they did have chances to win this game. And I feel like they are creating a lot more chances. They haven't really picked up any results since the turnover, but, but since the, the change in management. But um, yeah, I mean, 
it probably is, as Michael was saying, it's probably quite a solid point for Venezia in terms of of uh, them staying, you know, further away from Genoa because Genoa still have those those points to make up, and unless they start winning games soon, they're going to struggle to do that. So, I, I do feel like there's been an improvement, but they really need to start picking up results. And the last game from the weekend that we're going to touch on. Um... Is Sampdoria beating Empoli 2 0? Uh, both goals scored by Fabio Quagliarella, who turned 39 at the end of last month, Francesco. Um, my, I guess my question is how long can he continue for, you know, at the top level? Is he a player that you can see playing into his 40s? Uh, I mean, I guess whilst he's contributing, yes. I do think that in terms of what he's done this season compared to last season, there has been a bit of a drop-off. I think if um if all of Sam's players were fit, he might have seen you know, he might not even have played this weekend. But um you've got to give it to him, you know, a couple of goals. I think he scored a hundred goals for Sambadia now, which is uh, is impressive. Um and and whilst he he's able to make these contributions, even if he's not going to be central to you know to every single team selection, I, I'd say that you know he can definitely carry on playing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's the same. It's a similar sort of thing to the Ibrahimovic situation. It's whether you want to. I don't know how much Quayella gets paid, but I imagine he's probably towards the top end of Sam's players. And it's whether you have that money to spend on that kind of player. I think he still can make a contribution and even next season, he probably will still be able to make a contribution, but it's whether you want to go that way or you want to spend that money on, on something else. But, but he is, you know, he scored some amazing goals in his career and to score a hundred goals for Samp. It's, it's a really impressive and, and another couple of nice goals this weekend. So, you know, fair play to him. Yeah. His, his highlight reel of goals is, is pretty spectacular. That's for sure. I now want to move on to the European games coming up this week because we've got a few important ones again. Um, and we've got Juve in action on uh, Tuesday against Villarreal in the Champions League. Uh, Juve topped their group, so I, I guess they enter this as favourites. But we've seen in the last few years against the likes of Ajax and Leon and Porto, they've gone out to side two. I, I guess are maybe comparable to Villarreal, you know, Perhaps Ajax are the strongest of those three that I just mentioned. But, you know, th- those clubs who've done well in Europa League but not done too much in the Champions League over the years. How do you assess them going into this contest, Michael? Do you think they'll get through it or can you see this as another potential banana skin? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's another potential banana skin, especially on recent form. There's a few factors really going into it. I mean, yeah, we look at their recent European history, which isn't great. Um, I think the longer it remains a cagey tie, the more it'll suit the yellow submarine that is Villarreal. And I do think, from what I know, I don't know loads about them, but they have really had an upturn in form in the past few months in La Liga. And we know what Umay Emery is like. We know he's Unai Emery. We know he's better normally in the Europa League. I, I find it quite strange that some teams and managers like Sevilla as well can't carry that form across into the Champions League but they do seem to play a lot better in that. But nevertheless, he's got a good knockout record. But I guess so does Allegri until, you know, the um, Ajax defeat. Was that his last? I think that was his last one. Was That was his last campaign as yeah. Juventus manager in his first spell. 
But other than that, he generally, you know, obviously two Champions League finals. So there is a lot of experience he'll be able to bring to this tie. And Juventus do go in his favourites. I don't think that should be mistaken with the players they have and they're proving the ability to play on the day. But I think it's real potential banana skin. And, you know, if they, I don't think they will underestimate Villarreal given what's happened. But it, the, Allegri's main task is to make sure that they actually still have the confidence whilst respecting their opponents. And it's just getting that like, level of confidence right for me. Um, and tactically also be really interesting in count. I'm really excited for it, but I'd say narrow favourites, but it's a really... In- and with, with Inter losing last week, Francesco, their home leg, it, it looks like, you know, Juve are Italy's only you know, or best hope at least of progressing furthest in the Champions League. But, you know, we saw last week some excellent sides, the likes of Man City and Liverpool looking really strong. What sort of chance do you give Juve of progressing quite far in this competition, you know, into the semi-finals and and potentially beyond that stage? I think if they get to the semi-finals, they'll have done very well. Um, I agree with Michael that this is a tricky game. I, I think VRL, like all of the Spanish sides, really seem to know what they're doing when it comes to European football. Having said that, I think Allegri is a manager who is well-suited to knockout football. I think it almost brings out the best in him. Uh, you know, He's almost suitably cynical in that he knows he doesn't really even have to play that well. And often his Juve sides have not played that well in Europe, but they have managed to get things done. You know, Villarreal are exactly the kind of team that Juve will be outplayed with for 70, 80 minutes and then end up winning 2-0. Um, and with Vlaovic and, and you know, hopefully Dybala and Morata, they do have match winners in their side. They also have a really good defensive record this season, a defence which has been improving, you know, recently. I think they've only conceded seven goals in the last kind of 15 games. So I think it's going to be tricky for sides to knock Juve out. But having said that, you know, you've just mentioned a couple of brilliant sides. I'd add, you know, I was really impressed with PSG last week as well. I think that Bayern, whilst they struggle this this uh, week a little bit against Salzburg, they're also an excellent side. So there are be- they're definitely better sides than Juve in competition. Um and so, yeah, if they get to the semi-finals, especially considering how their season started, I think that would be a good result. Um, we'll see what happens. And then on to the Europa League, we, we've got the second legs of, of the ties that started last week. Napoli got a draw at the new Camp, a pretty good result for them, Michael. Do you, do you back them to, um, to finish the job this week? Um, Barca got quite a convincing win against Valencia on the weekend, so seems they may have a bit of confidence going into that match. Yeah, Barcelona just seemed to have a very good January all round with a number of the signings. Sino Bamiang get a hat trick, and I think to be fair to Napoli, Barcelona were generally the stronger team in that first leg. That being said, I think it's massive that Napoli, you know, the tide really turned against them in the second half, and that they were able to get out with a one-one win. From what I know about Barcelona, there's still quite a bit of naivety to this team under Xavi. And I think that's something that we've seen a bit more from Napoli in recent weeks, that they are just becoming a bit more streetwise. And I do think that, you know, going, I know away goals don't count for anything anymore, but taking that 1-1 draw into Naples will really 
give them a boost in the second leg. And I'm quietly optimistic. I think it's quite an even game. It's a really fascinating encounter for this stage of the Europa League as well. Great advert for it. But I'm quietly confident that Napoli might be able to just squeeze through here. But I think it's not going to be the prettiest of performances if they're to do so. And then the other tie, um, again, quite evenly poised. Um, Lazio 2-1 down after the first leg against Porto, but they but they will now have the second leg in Rome. Do you expect them to turn things around, Francesco, or w- will this be a tricky one for them? I, I think they have a good chance. I think it's a real shame that they weren't able to get a draw in Porto. Possibly deserved a draw. Um, I think they played pretty well and considering, you know, they weren't... Uh, they weren't expected to get through this tight. They weren't expected to get through this tie. Um, it's it's a decent result. I also think that they, you know, they they didn't have Immobile last week, and this weekend they 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 really missed him. There is a ch- I've heard there's a chance he'll be back for the game, and to have him back would be huge. If they have him back, and even without him, I think they have a chance. But if they have Immobile back, then I, then I definitely think they have a good chance of getting through. Yeah, it promises to be another uh, exciting week of, of Champions League and Europa League football. So we'll see how that pans out and then, of course, reflect on it next week. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Ciao.